Spelt is a wonderful economical alternative to wheat. I've been baking with it for a decade now and I love its deep, nutty flavour, its flexibility and its digestibility. Many people who don't get on with wheat can enjoy spelt, especially if it's in a sourdough loaf. Whether you've tried spelt or not, this episode will give you everything you need to know to get the most from this grain in your own kitchen. And we'll celebrate the podcast's second e-cookbook, Sourdough Spelt Every Day, that distills so much of my baking experience into a guide that'll get you rustling up all manner of spelt goodies to enjoy. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen podcast with Alison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea, living on a newly created family farm in northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Hello, Allison. Hey, Andrea. How are you? I am well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm down in my little <laughs> hole, ready to record and talk to you about Same. something very dear to my heart today. <laughs> I'm super excited about this one. I mean, this has been in the ether for a long time mm. for you and me discussing it. And then the all the work you put into the book over this past mm. year. And then getting to see all of that when I put the recipes into the book and doing the layout and stuff has been really cool. I mean, yeah, I'm so excited. Anyways, this is this is a long coming episode. All that to indeed, say. indeed. So, have have you eaten today? Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. I did. I had. Uh, don't laugh. I had chicken noodle soup for breakfast. Mm, that's cool. And that's cool. It's the recipe from our first cookbook, actually, oh, except yeah. one slight difference. I think in that recipe, I say that I dice everything and then I toast it in the pan and then I add the broth. In this instance, I poached the chicken. Mm. Like I took my chicken and I toasted it in the pan. Then I poured water in and poached the chicken in that water. And then I took the chicken out. <clears throat> excuse me. And while the chicken cooled so that I could shred it. Mm. I diced everything and threw it into the broth. So it all boiled in the broth. And ah, okay. I I really like soups like that because there's just a different, a very light sort of quality mm. to it. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I first ran across doing it that way <clears throat> when I was a kid in this rice cookbook that we have where you would you put in rice and diced vegetables and you boil them all together. And I just kind of love the way it tastes when you do that. So. Yeah. Did you just did you just make it for you, or did you make a bigger pot? No, I actually made a pretty big pot, and I took a half gallon up to my cousin who just had a baby a couple of days ago, oh, and um, I took some to our chiropractor, and mm -hmm. then we had some last night for dinner, and then there was just enough left this morning for a bowl for breakfast. Oh, it's really so, nice when you just yeah. have the right amount left for breakfast. Oh, I know. It was ideal. And then I don't have to put oh, anything, like try to, you know, stash it again or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you? Did no. you eat lunch? Yeah, we had a beautiful lunch. Lamb. Mm. 
something that um, oh. I'm not that familiar with. I don't. I have like memories of my mum cooking roast lamb when I was a child and absolutely hating it. And so I kind of avoided lamb for several really? decades, really. Wow. Yeah. But um, we bought half a lamb from Flavio um, last weekend. And um, I had all the offal with that as well. So I, I posted, as you'll see, I've seen, I posted on Discord during the week. I made a big sort of pate thing with the brains and the tongue and the cheek and the spleen and the liver and the, all of that stuff. And so we had some of that. But then I had all these different cuts which are kind of different from English cuts. So I have to get used to how they butcher here compared to how they butcher in the UK. And this is the second big kind of chunk I've done in the slow cooker last night with a ton of onions, half a bottle of red wine. Um, and what else did I put in there? Red wine, onions. And I put the, the joint on the top. There were some bones in the joint. I just left them all in there. And then I put in lots of um, thyme, wild thyme, which um, someone at the market had collected and sold in little jars, which just smelled beautiful. And some tomato paste, stirred it around with a bit of water, left it overnight on low. This morning it smelled amazing. And then just as it came to lunchtime, I cooked a bit of broccoli. And we had the lamb just literally like falling off the bone so tender doesn't taste anything like I remember from my childhood that roast lamb just so deep colored so flavorsome with the simple simple kind of dew which was onions and the red wine and the juices of the lamb had gone into it and a slice of spelt sourdough which we're going to talk about today and some butter on it today not lard oh butter sauerkraut Sounds yeah, like really a nice. indulgent meal all around. Oh, it was. The the meat was so tender okay. and so delicious. It's just completely changing my opinion of lamb. It, it's beautiful. And I can't yeah. wait to have all the rest of the leftovers for, you know, several days now. When you bought the half um, from Flavio, did yeah. he, did you ask him, can I have all the organs and bits? Yep. He knew that you yeah. wanted that. Yeah, I said, well, what am I going to get? Because I kind of want everything. And he said, well, you're going to get half a kidney, half a heart, half a spleen. Because other people also want the offal. So yeah. whoever had the other half of my lamb had the other half of the organs. Which is, you know, something historically I've not been used to because usually no one wants the offal, it's just mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But um, there's more of a demand, you know, there's more of a an alive tradition of offal cooking here in Italy yeah. than there is in England. So... I got half of everything, half of the lungs as well, just half of everything, literally. Oh, that's half great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy to hear it. I mean, I know it's convenient if you're the only person who wants it, you know, mm. but from the farmer's perspective, it's really good if people care about these pieces and are willing to pay for them. Yeah. Yeah. Because it takes as work, much work to raise the heart as it does to raise, you know, yeah. the thigh. So yeah, Thanks, Gary. indeed. Just brought me water. <laughs> That's kind. <clears throat> yeah, and it's in a cute cup too. His brother has a little farm as well, and um, oh. they made us a cup with their farm logo on it. So, yeah, nice. <clears throat> so well, we're both quite well fed. By yeah, the sound we've of it. we've ate, <laughs> and we're exactly. <laughs> uh, shall I read? We've got two more reviews to read. 
We're trying oh. to keep up with the reviews because there's so many yeah. beautiful ones. Thank you to everyone who's left us a review on Apple Podcasts. The first one I've got here is from Paulette Four, and she says, 10 stars. Wow. <laughs> we never got that far. <laughs> 10 stars. As a seasoned woman, I love this podcast. I always learn so much. I look forward to every podcast. Keep those podcasts coming. Smiley face. Succinct like and beautiful. Thank you, Paulette. So kind. And 10 stars. Hello. That's a whole Indeed. constellation. <laughs> I will read this review from Kvass Brewer. That's a name. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. If you've seen the picture in Sandor's Art of Fermentation, those huge barrels that they have in Russia and probably yeah. other Eastern European places too. But um, I remember seeing those when I was there. I'm sure you did too. Yeah. Okay, the title is Be Mystifying Nourishing Traditions. Prior to finding your podcast, I had bought a copy of Nourishing Traditions. I had thumbed through it only to be intimidated by many of the recipes that contained ingredients like whey and processes like stewing something for 24 hours that I was unfamiliar with. The book just sat around looking pretty. Your podcast broke down all of this for me and gave me the confidence to forge ahead. Now my copy of Nourishing Traditions is permanently in my kitchen and is filled with post-its of recipes I want to try <clears throat> or that have become favorites. Thank you. Well, that's awesome. Nice. That's wonderful. It's, it's wonderful to hear. You know, that's not the first time someone's told me that, that they love Nourishing Traditions, but they've just felt overwhelmed by it. And it's really yeah. wonderful that someone has actually thumbed through that and started using it. And just like yeah. my book, I've got post-it notes everywhere. I know, me too. In my nourishing tradition. <laughs> Yellow ones for the ones that I want to make, green ones for the ones that are favorites. Oh, super get organized. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, speaking of cookbooks, Alison. Yeah. We have yeah, to talk indeed. about this. I'm so excited. This is like the presentation of a new child or something. Yeah, it feels like a baby for sure, Um, Mm -hmm. because our second cookbook, which we've been working on for the last kind of six months or actually for the last decade, but Mm -hmm. I didn't realise that it was all going to go in a book back then, (laughs) um, is out and it's called Sourdough Spelt Every Day. You can go to our new website. (laughs) We've finally got a website that is just for the podcast which is ancestralkitchenpodcast.com. So you can go check out our new website. And if you put forward slash shop at the end of that or choose the shop option from the menu, you will see our beautiful new book, Sourdough Spell Every Day, alongside our um, first book, Meals at the Ancestral Hearth. And maybe if I can get something organized, we'll, we'll organize a way that you could buy both of them at the same time. Um, yeah. Maybe I can get that done before this goes live. So, yes, we are going to talk all about spelt sourdough today. And I know that you've got questions, Andrea, and some questions that have come in from people. So mm-hmm. let's start with um, with wherever you want to start, really. Well, let's start with why you even use spelt and how you kind of got started with it, because I think that's a really interesting story. Mm. So, yeah, I wrote about this in the introduction of the book, and I called it spelt a love story which frankly it, it is um when Gable was very very young and we were living in Cornwall I was coming back to bread um I hadn't eaten a gluten grain for a decade and I tried 
a spelt loaf. Well, I tried a loaf. I didn't know it was spelt when it was bought because Rob bought it for mm. me. And I was just like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. I have to bring this bread back into my life. I have to learn how to make sourdough and what is this grain. And then I realised it was spelt. And I'm okay, what's spelt? I've heard of it before. So I started kind of digging. And, you know, I knew from from then really that I wanted to learn to teach myself how to make sourdough and I didn't want to work with wheat and so I looked around at what was available and grown relatively close to me you know in England and I bought them all so I tried rye I tried emma I tried icorn and I tried spelt and Rob loved the rye and the rye worked really well for Rob and and I still regularly make rye sourdough bread and I have a course which is over at the fermentation school about how you can master rye sourdough bread and that that's all wonderful and lovely but I really love the taste of that spell out of all of the grains and the other thing that kind of pushed me towards spelt rather than the the other two grains emma and einkorn which are kind of similar to spelt is that spelt was and is substantially cheaper than Emma and Einkorn. There's a breakdown in the book um, of those three grains, or two of the grains together, and I do it for Europe and also for the US, and just show, you know, if you're baking a certain amount of loaves every week, this is how much you're going to pay for spelt, and this is how much more you're going to be paying for Emma and Einkorn. And that's a, a really important um, part of my kitchen economy. It was then, and it always is. So... That was a another kind of a push towards spelt. The other thing that made me like spelt was that I really found it relatively easy to work with. I think that Emma and Einkorn are perhaps slightly more difficult. And spelt, obviously, there was a huge learning curve for me because I'd never baked sourdough at all at that point. You know, I'd, I'd never made a, any loaf sourdough. But I liked the way I could work with spelt. So it's kind of a, a perfect storm with the flavour and the taste and the cost and the flexibility and ease of working with it. That's how I ended up eating it every day and making those loaves every week in the kitchen. Mm, yeah, well, definitely from, you know, I got my bag of spilt grains so that mm. I'm ready to to buy the cookbook, <laughs> mm-hmm. as it were. <laughs> and um bake with it and I learned just from putting it together and reading it that Mm. it is significantly easier to work with than einkorn which I have worked with Ah, for several years now yeah so yeah definitely all of that you put into the book I mean you (laughs) you learned from flops and yeah um, too many you know accidental things that turned into fortuitous things and accidental things that turned into like, okay, don't do that. So you put all that in. And for anybody who's getting the book, um, there you'll get two copies, the same with the previous one. I should make sure people know this. So when you buy book, you'll get two links. And one is a printable version where we put all the photographs in the end. Um, and there's a lot of beautiful photographs and they're very helpful when I saw them I was like okay I see what she's talking about now 
So they're really helpful photographs, but also beautiful photographs. And then in the ebook version, we just have them kind of scattered throughout the recipes, which is the same way we did it with the other cookbook, but that's so that you can print it without blowing through, you know, two packets. Yeah, I, I really wanted to put those pictures in there um, because particularly for the cakes, it's, yeah, they're rather yeah. particular because the sourdough cakes, they don't have eggs in them. So it's important, I think, for me to try to give as much guidance as possible to this is what it should look like at this stage. Yeah. This is what it should look like at that stage. Yeah, the crumbly um, thing with the cakes is yeah. really helpful. Um, seeing the, well, I think just seeing it because a lot of us have literally never seen anything baked with salt before. So we don't really know what to expect. Yeah. And just the picture on the cover of the book, which probably everybody is seeing if they have seen this episode, they've probably seen that picture yeah. floating around, then showing the sliced bread that shows how tender and delicious it is. And you also put links to videos as well. So when you get this book, you're really getting a lot of yeah, the videos. The videos, again, are there to show process. You know, I wanted to, mm -hmm. for example, with the pizza, it's showing you how I go from that ball of dough to a really thin and crispy pizza, right. how I use my hands to work mm -hmm. it out onto the, on the surface. Mm -hmm. So you can actually see me in my kitchen doing it. Yeah. If you're into ancestral eating, you'll know that liver is a superfood full of vitamin A, K, and a whole host of B vitamins, plus many essential minerals. It has a truly exceptional nutrient profile and is a staple of traditional healthy diets. But it's not always as easy to get liver into our lives as we want. Getting a good supply, knowing how to cook it so it actually tastes good, and getting all of our family to eat it. These things can be hard, especially when we're busy or traveling. That's where Andrea and I turn to liver capsules. They give us the incredible benefits of liver without having to worry about the sourcing, the preparation, or the eating. One Earth Health produces organ capsules from 100% grass-fed New Zealand-raised cattle. As a podcast listener, you can get 5% off and free shipping by using the link oneearthhealth.com forward slash ancestral kitchen. And each time you order, you'll also be supporting us to keep on making the podcast. Details and the link are in the show notes. So what, okay, I feel like most of us know what wheat is. We've seen fields of wheat. Mm. What is spelt? So spelt is actually an ancient member of the wheat family. Oh. Um, it was first cultivated 5,000 years um, BC, so the pre-Christian era, era. And originally, people think it was a cross between a wild goat grass and emma. So spelt is an ancient grain. It's something that we class as an ancient grain. I call it that. And by that, I mean one that hasn't had the same treatment that wheat has in our society. I mean, maybe one day we'll do an episode on wheat and, you know, what happened to it in the Green Revolution and how it was completely changed in order to apparently solve the problems feeding the world in the future. You know, wheat has been selectively bred for yield, for resistance, and that just hasn't happened to spelt. And so grains like that are generally termed as ancient grains, and spelt is one of those. But because it's part of the wheat family, it's a bit like wheat. 
So it acts like we when you work with it. But crucially, it is different to wheat. So the the grain of spelt is genetically purer than wheat. It has a different type of gluten and a lower amount of gluten in it than standard wheat. And because of that, some people can tolerate spelt when they can't tolerate wheat. Now, spelt isn't um, suitable for celiacs because it does have gluten in it, but the difference in um, the type of gluten and the amount of gluten can sometimes make a big difference to people. It makes a big difference to Rob because yeah. Rob has a, a long history of a serious wheat allergy and he can eat my spelt bread. So oh, that, you know, that's a, a wonderful thing. And why? Okay, so it it's from the wheat family. It hasn't been, you know, fiddled with. Fiddled with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We spent yeah, too much time it. together. It hasn't been fiddled with. Um, and and um, I think uh, I'm thinking of a couple of friends of mine who they can't eat wheat, but they actually can eat spelt. So yeah, okay. you're totally, so you've got totally accurate on that. Too. So I yeah. can think of that too. Yeah. And then why should I bake with spelt? Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> well, the, the, the first reason why you should bake with spelt is that it just tastes, it tastes wonderful. It tastes oh, amazing. Yeah. It's, it's deep, it's rich, it's more flavorful than wheat. It has a nutty flavor. It's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful flavor. I think you should bake with it because it's an ancient grain, which is just a generally a nicer thing to have and a nicer thing to put in your body than, um, in my opinion, than wheat. It's easy to handle, like I said earlier. You know, the reason why I stuck with it over some of the other grains was because once you learn how to work with it it's a it's a good grain you know it it does it behaves it's relatively easy to to get to understand how to work with it simply and yeah. yes it, it it is more expensive than wheat because spelt is lower yielding than wheat because it's harder to thresh than wheat and like we were just saying because you know wheat's been commoditized and spelt hasn't but as I said, it's cheaper than other ancient grains. So that's another reason to bake with it. There are lots of reasons to bring it into your kitchen. It's just, um, it's a wonderful grain. Yeah, that's, those are really important points. And it's important to note, as you kind of indicated previously when you're talking about Rob, but when, hmm. when um, animals and plants are selectively bred or even genetically modified, it is typically not for nutrient or flavor content. It is typically for, like you said, um, resistance to, you know, yeah. certain, maybe even insecticides or completely or um, yield Diseases. or how fast it grows. You know, it's not because it tastes better. And I think that was the thing that shocked me the most when I started using einkorn. And I know would be the same with spelt I just was floored at how good it tasted and I just didn't yeah. know that the grain was supposed to taste yeah so tasty yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. supposed to taste like flour but you put a lot yeah. of that education on how the spelt's going to work in your kitchen in the book um and they they are a little bit different than modern wheat and we've just gotten really used to the way wheat behaves with these insanely high gluten levels that are not historically 
accurate, shall yeah. we say. Um, so you put lots of good explanation on things relating to that in the book, although it really doesn't seem like it's that complicated when you break it down. But yeah, um, yeah sometimes you can't just go trade one cup of wheat for one cup of spelt and um, it doesn't always work that way. So it kind of depends on what you're used to. You know, if yeah, you're used to yeah, baking yeah. with white wheat flour, you're going to find yeah. spelt, whole grain spelt, really quite um, different. But um, with a good guide and with understanding and recipes that you can use as templates to follow again and again and again, once you get that under your belt and you get those understanding under your belt, then that's that's really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think somebody coming from working with whole wheat that they've been grinding would have an easier time or somebody coming from working yeah. with einkorn would find this pretty easy. Okay, yeah. so so all that being said, how different is spelt to wheat overall? Yeah, like so I cook with whole grain spelt probably 90% of the time in my kitchen. So most of my loaves are whole grain. And that is very different to working with white wheat, but it's not as different to working with whole grain wheat. So the similar, the handling of those loaves is similar to how um, whole grain wheat would be handled. Because it's an older grain, it's easier on your body. It's actually lower in phytic acid as well uh, than wheat. It's been less GM'd, it's been less commoditized. Um, it, as we said earlier, is different because people who have perhaps IBS problems or problems with wheat can often digest it. And also another thing that um, I found out recently that I didn't know, thanks to a patron who first alerted me, um, spelt is a low FODMAPs grain. And I went and had a look at that when, when the patron told me about that on Discord. And if you sourdough spelt, which obviously is what the book's all about, um, spelt sourdough is a low FODMAP food. So the, it's similar handling, but in the way that it interacts with ourselves and in, in our bodies, it is a very different grain. And if we have particular issues with wheat, then we're going to find when we digest it, when we eat it, it's going to react very differently to how wheat would in our body. Wow, it's interesting because if you are eating low FODMAP, you would probably be telling, you'd be told don't eat any bread of any sort. Yeah, yeah. But this is a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so what can I, what, what then can I bake with this spelt? So basically I bake anything with spelt. If you put any <laughs> recipe in front of me that's made of any grain, I will just go, oh, yeah. okay, oh, I could swap yeah. that out for spelt and I could do this. So really I've come at it in my, um, you know, decade of baking with spelt, just anything, literally anything. Mm. So you can make loaves, you can make simple, straightforward, everyday loaves through to really complex loaves, loaves mm. that have got add-ins in, I've got nuts in, I've got um, scalds in. So any type of loaf, you can use white spelt or you can use whole grain. As I said, most of the recipes in the book are whole grain, but there are some that include white um, and or what percentages of white. Um, and you also can mill your flour and use that. And we'll talk about that a bit later um, in the podcast. You can make pizza, which mm. 
is an absolute staple in our house and is the base is just so wonderful when you make it with spelt that you really don't need many toppings like you can put toppings on if you're in a kind of topping mood but very often I'll I'll make spelt sourdough um, pizza and I'll be eating it up there with with Gable and Rob and they'll just be like the base is so lovely you know (laughs) so literally a little bit of lardo or just tomatoes and a tiny bit of pecorino on the top of the pizza and you Mm -hmm. don't need anything else because the base is an incredible treat in and of itself that is not so that is not true of the pizzas that you would buy like at these um you know pizza yeah I don't know like the cheap super cheap restaurants or whatever where people don't even eat the crust and also they bury it under so many flavors and then it's just not any good (laughs) that's that's the thing it it seems to be all about the topping these days whereas in you know we did an episode on pizza way back Mm -hmm. if you want to go back Mm -hmm. into the annals of our wonderful podcast you can find that pizza episode but really pizza especially in Italy you know where it came from was about the bread and then a little bit of something on top Mm -hmm. and you don't see massively topped pizzas being eaten by Italians because it's about the bread. Whereas now, if you go to, like you said, a mainstream pizza restaurant, the bread is of such poor quality that you need like 15,000 toppings on it yeah, to make the pizza nice. Whereas when you, when you focus on the good ingredients and a good process, a good fermentation mm-hmm. and a good baking of a pizza base, the the actual bread is a joy, a complete joy in and of itself. Delicious. So, um, I'm going to just keep on talking about hey, what pizza. Else? What carry else on. You make? <laughs> um, so you can make enriched breads that are sweet. You can put eggs, you can put mm-hmm. milk, you can put things like that into, into breads made of spelt. You can make cakes. And I've made lots of cakes and muffins with spelt. You can make pastry from spelt and use that in a savoury um, context as a kind of a meaty pie or you could make for instance apple pie um, with your pastry and you can also make pancakes I mean really anything anywhere where you might use wheat in my book and literally in my book you can use spell (laughs) (laughs) oh I love it okay so sound I'm I'm feeling pretty sold on this (laughs) good yeah, I, I love like the it. idea of it tasting, the pizza tasting good, the cakes and things mm. like that. You don't have to, you know, blanket them with flavors and things yeah. because they're already delicious. So where where do you get your spelt? Where can I in the U.S. Mm. get spelt? Where do people mm. get spelt? Yeah, okay. So I get, spelt is grown in Italy and I get my spelt from a mill here. And previously I used to buy it as flour, which was ground in that mill. Mm-hmm. Now I have my mock mill. I um, am Yay. buying it as grain and grinding it in my kitchen. Before I came to Italy, when we were back in the UK, when Gable was first born, there was spelt growing in the UK too, and there still mm-hmm. is. So I was able to buy spelt from a, a local mill in England. Um, and really, that's what you know. we always suggest to um, people listening look at your local suppliers first and you know I know it's grown in the US I know it's grown in Australia because Ellie gets it from a biodynamic farm and uses it 
and I know it's grown in Italy and in the UK. Um, I've been talking to a lot of patrons on the Discord forum and, you know, they've gone in and seen, oh, I've found Spelt in my local place, you know, up in Canada. Nice. Pictures, sent me pictures of packets of Spelt flour from local mills. So, you know, you might be able to find it in your local store. Go and ask them if you don't see it. Um, once in, I was in Florence looking for some spelt flour when we first got here and I literally, I was looking on the shelves and there wasn't any and unbeknownst to me, the, the guy who ran this um, restaurant and shop was really, really famous. He runs oh. a restaurant called called Cibreo in Florence, um, which is all about kind of um, cooking offal originally and um, I didn't know anything about him and he came over to me and said, can I help you? And I said, oh, I'm looking for spelt flour <laughs> and um <laughs> He I, he said, oh, yeah, they've got some up in the kitchen. I'll go and get you a bag. So he went to talk to one of his minions and they came back. Literally, they just oh. took some of their flour out of the bag, out the back wow. in the kitchen and gave me this big bag of flour. And I got home. And I, but actually what happened was I went to the checkout and they had a TV screen above the, the checkout and he had his face on it. And I thought, that's the guy that just got that spelt flour for me. And it came, had his name and a book. that he. So I went home and, and looked him up and he's like super famous. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and he's given me my spelt flour. Anyway, that was a diversion. Um, so, yeah, look for it locally. Um, okay. But if you're not able to find it locally, I know there are distrib- distrib- oh, distributors, that's the word, um, in the US for sure and certainly in the UK that you yeah. can get it shipped to you. So Azure, for example, in the US has um, spelt flour and other mills like Hayden Mills and Bob's Red Mill, they have spelt flour. So you can, if you can't find it locally, you can order it in from a more national supplier. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, Azure was where I found it. I haven't even looked in grocery stores, but I will say, yeah. I don't know if it's the same over there, but typically if you look in a grocery store for something like coconut sugar or organic brown sugar or um corn it's really expensive in a grocery store yeah like yeah. you would not take it home and make a loaf with it I don't know why but they're just like oh this is a boutique product but you yeah. can usually get things from Azure for really reasonable or, or yeah. go like you said to a mill and when I looked in my area I found um a woman who was growing it I think that their farm actually contracts with Azure now but they're growing it on the east side of our mountains. And she sounded kind of like Will Harris, where she said one year she was just looking at her fields of wheat and it was commodity wheat and it was GMO wheat. And Gosh. she just turned to her, uh, I don't know, husband, son, whoever she's farming with. And she said, we're going to grow ancient grains. I'm done with this. <laughs> hmm. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Good honor. Yeah. So if I have... Say I'm listening to this episode of never baked with sourdough before ever. Mm. And now mm. you're talking about spelt sourdough. Is this yeah. too much or can I start well, with spelt? I would say I started with spelt. I I had not made a wheat sourdough before I started with spelt. So if you haven't baked sourdough before and you don't want to bake with wheat, don't bake with wheat. Just start with spelt. It's not difficult. Okay. And like I said, the handling is like wheat. It's not going to be something that will give you, you know, if you get a good guide, it's not going to be something that will give you huge problems. The book gives really, really detailed processes and baking tips 
and guides, plus at the back, a load of resources on how to um, create a starter. So if you haven't created a starter before, you'll find through the book, through the resources, lots of resources to help you with that. And they'll, there's lots of information on there about proofing, what to look for, how to um, stretch and fold your bread, how to move from each stage to the next. And each of the recipes has that in there as well, how you know when to move from the first phase to the second phase, how you know when to put it into the oven. So there, there's a guide, the book is a guide, and it could be picked up by someone who's never made sourdough before and wants to start with spelt because I kind of know because that that was where I was you know those yeah. years back when Gable was a little boy that's where I was and so I tried to ensure that anyone who who's in that position and wants to give it a go I want to encourage them because it's a wonderful grain and sourdough bread is wonderful so um there's as much information as possible as I could put in there to help guide people who are unfamiliar almost an advantage if somebody hasn't picked a starter yeah. anyways it's like well good you got nothing to compare it to <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you just in. learn you go you just learn with spelt like you you and spelt grow yeah. together yeah awesome yeah and you did put a lot of detail in there so that it it really does not leave you hanging on any point mm. and are the books in i i know you referred to this before but are they whole mm. grain or white yeah so most of them are whole grain because yeah. okay. I much prefer to work with whole grain. Some of the loaves, like I think the milk, the milk kefir loaf, and the cakes, they are fifty percent white. Um, now, if you don't want to use white flour, or you're milling your own, and you don't want to actually sieve it out because that's a quite a difficult process, you okay. could just try all the recipes one hundred percent whole grain. You know, the, if you put more white in it, you're going to get more of a rise than you would from whole grain, but that's not the be all and end all although right. instagram may right. think you make you think that it is it's right. just not and so any of the recipes in there could be made 100 percent whole grain and frankly any of the recipes could be made with half white if you want if you prefer mm -hmm. that or if you want to change it up you know a couple yeah. of times or maybe there there's somebody who's trying to use up their stash of white spelt or something they could just yeah. throw it in completely they're out yeah okay um all right so yeah. Okay. That kind of answers my next, next question, which was, can I use the book if I'm going to grind my own grain? Yes, you can. Yeah. And um, what you okay. do have to remember though, is fresh, um, freshly ground grain needs more water. All grains are different. Um, and really no baking book can ever be 100% prescriptive because grains are different each season in the same area, let alone, mm -hmm. you know, my grain that's been grown in Italy to your grain that's been grown over there. So it's important to to experiment if you're using freshly ground grain. I've given guides on what to look for, you know, in the recipes. So, you know, rather than saying this is how much you need to use water, this is how much you need to use flour, just go with it. I've tried with the inclusion of the videos, with the inclusion of the pictures, I've tried to explain this is what to look for. This is how to know if your consistency is good. And therefore that will help you if you're grinding your own grain to know how much extra water you may need to add in. Okay, because I then I can just see this is the look that I want. I need a little more yeah. moisture. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. And I've noticed, you know, starting to mill my own spell that it, it does need more water, exactly the same as the right, it mm. needs more water. And it just takes a few goes for you to understand how the flour is going to work. 
yeah. um, with with your particular flower and to try the water and you go, oh, that one was just a bit too stiff and it didn't rise much because of that. So the next one I'll put in another, you know, 30 millilitres of yeah. water and therefore is... it's a bit better. Yes. Yeah, go on. And well, I was going to say, this is definitely something that I learned by trying to write recipes down. And it's something that you realize is um, missing from our general food culture, which is, you know, you want to say, well, put in enough water until it's like a wet dough, until it yeah. looks just right or something. And it's kind of hard to explain sometimes, but people are accustomed to very, like, with a lot of commoditized foods, it's super predictable yeah. all the time. So you can say, put in exactly this amount put in exactly that amount and it'll come out exactly this way every time, a hundred percent of the time. And I think, I think white wheat flour, true. if you buy it from a supermarket probably is, yeah, it has the ability so. to be more prescriptive about, but you know, when you're buying something other than wheat and you're buying it from a local supplier and potentially you're also milling your spelt, then it is going to be very, very different. Um, when I wrote the book, I did, I wasn't milling. I hadn't bought that mock mill yet. So all the recipes are written with flour that I bought from a mill in mind. But um, now I'm starting to mill, I can see the difference. Um, if you want to see the reasons why I bought the mock mill and my mock mill, you can go to ancestralkitchen.com forward slash mill. And I will put that link in the show notes in case people are curious yeah. on that. No, I think that's good because you definitely I mean the conversation we had in the patron group I think everybody was like all right I'm gonna go buy a mill now like <laughs> it just happened yeah it's completely changed my life. all sold on it so yeah okay good yeah you put a lot of detail in there where you said hey you know it, in the winter you might do this in my cold kitchen it's like this in my warm kitchen it's like this yeah. so so it's just important to be tactile with our food and I think this is a good bid for doing the same recipe over and over and over. Completely. I mean, that's how I've learned that all these recipes yeah. in this book, I have cooked unbelievable amount of times. And that's how, how I've learned. And, you know, when I moved from England to Italy, I had to learn again because I've got a different flower. I've got different things going on in my kitchens, different temperatures, it's different humidity. So that that's the way to really make it become part of your being part of yourselves it's just to do it over and over again yeah hey there thank you for being a listener of the ancestral kitchen podcast it means so much to allison and i when you post a review on apple or spotify or share about the podcast in your stories or send us a message and let us know what it means to you which is hopefully something good you can also sponsor the podcast through our patreon account and help rob buy weird gadgets to edit out my coughs and microphone bumps in the background we have a variety of different levels you can choose from and a bunch of different benefits you can enjoy, ranging from additional interviews to video content and downloadable goodies. Check it out at patreon.com slash ancestral kitchen podcast. What do I have left on my list? Oh, um, this is a good question and I don't think you've answered it yet. If I have a wheat sourdough starter, can I put that in the spelt recipes or do I need to start a new starter? Yeah, no, completely. Absolutely fine to use. Um, Yay. I'm not prescriptive <laughs> about what starter you use. I um, maintain a rye starter 
in my kitchen. And anyone who's seen my course, um, 10 Tips on Creating the Maintaining a Sourdough Starter or heard me talk about starters at any point will know that I use a rice starter, whole grain rye, because I just think it's a powerhouse for starters. So normally I use a rice starter in my spelt breads. I have used both rye and spelt starters for these recipes. So you could use a rice starter, you could use a wheat starter, you could use a spelt starter, you could start a spelt starter if you want, you could use whatever starter you want. What's important over and above that is that your starter is active and strong and there are tips for how to um, make, how to achieve that and how to know that that's the case in the book. You also had that really cool graphic in there where you drew out how to take care of a mm. starter, which yeah. um, is, you know, like you said, it doesn't matter what starter it is, that information is solid. So that's that, that was really nice for me because I'm very visual and yeah. I liked seeing it. I know you're visual too. So yeah, I like that was why you that. made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's really fun. So that's a really handy page in there. I and think that how... starters can be really complicated. And yeah. if you just put it in a diagram with pictures, sometimes it just clicks in a way that the words don't, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, no, totally. Um, but if I want the starter to be totally spelt, can I switch? Like, how do I switch? Oh, yeah. System? Yeah. So no problem. So just start spelling feeding it spelt. I would use whole grain, not white, because whole grain flour generally um, is more active. And literally in a few days, it will be converted. If you want to be more measured and do it gradually, I'd, whereas I'd just be like, oh, bung spelt in there. Um, <laughs> you could mix in 50% spelt along with 50% of your other flour for a few days. And then you could up that percentage gradually over a few days. But, you know, after five or six feeds, there'll be such a small percentage of the other original flour in it that you'll have a spelt starter. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, cool. So then I think this is, this is doable. So what all, now I actually know because I put it in, but all you <laughs> tell me, what all is, what did you put in the book? You kind of alluded to, oh, I make everything with spelt and you said some things yeah. that sounded very delicious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what all is in there? Yeah. Okay. So let's, as you talked, as you said the word delicious, let's start with the recipes. So <laughs> there are 11 recipes in the book, which um, each one of them is a kind of a, a lesson in itself and can be made many times to learn about that particular type of bread. So there's an everyday loaf to start with, which is a, a very um, simple spelt loaf to start with. So if you haven't made spelt before, you haven't made sourdough before, you want to start with the everyday loaf. Or if you just want to knock a loaf out and you want something simple, then the everyday loaf is a go-to loaf for um, spelt. So the there's then a the loaf cover. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yes, that is the one on the cover. We changed the okay. cover a few times, so I'm trying to remember which one was on the cover. <laughs> we yeah, we had we had a big vote in the in the Patreon as to which was the best cover. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah I mean, that was unanimous. That's on the it cover. Was unanimous. Yeah, vote, so. that, that's the one on the cover. Yeah. Um, after that, the next loaf I put in was a loaf with scald. So um, that everyday loaf that I just talked about, if you don't eat it relatively quickly within like three or four days, it can depending on your humidity um, have a tendency to go stale just like you know any breads can mm -hmm. the way that I found to get around this is to use a scald in your loaf and a scald just means a portion of the flour is held back and mixed with water and cooked 
like a porridge, and add it into the loaf. So there's a recipe for a spelt loaf that uses the scald, which will give you a softer crumb and also enable that bread to last longer and still be moist, you know, after three, four days. That's in there. Then there's the loaf that um, I got invited to um, uh, a dinner at Flavio, my farmer's house, a couple of years ago, and I wanted to take a loaf because obviously he was he was doing all the meat, being my farmer. Um, and so I wanted to do something quite special. So I came up with a, a loaf that's got chocolate malt in it and hazelnuts. And it's just a beautiful loaf. That one's in there. Um, then there's there's a, a not sourdough recipe because there is a naturally leavened bread that is risen with milk kefir. So I will guide wow. you through how to create a starter using milk kefir. And then we'll use that starter to make a loaf. And that loaf is really special because it has a different flavour profile to the other sourdough loaves. So most of the other sourdough loaves, you've got that kind of strong sourdough flavour. Whereas the milk kefir loaf, because milk kefir is dominant in lactobacillus rather than the other sourdough bacteria, acetic, you know, gives an acetic flavour, then this loaf is just smooth and creamy flavour because it's got that lacto flavour as opposed to the more vinegary flavour. And it's really fun to see how you know live milk kefir can create you a loaf of bread. Um, that's one that, and we talked a little bit about you know how I first worked with Spout and the failures, and and what I didn't say was that you know I had people who helped me through that period. I had a mentor, particular mentor that I found, and I worked with him to. Um, make that bread and he said to me oh, I'm making this bread with milk kefir and I was like really how do you do that and so he taught me that bread really and then I've gone on and, and made it my own and I'm still making it many many years after um having those wonderful interactions with him so that loaf's in there then there are pancakes which you do not have to use eggs to make which are wonderful one can be 100% spelt or you can play around and put different flour in um, and you can eat them sweet or savoury. There's the pizza, which um, when I first um, put that recipe out into the world, um, I remember that there was um, a wonderful woman called Lucy who was cooking up a lot of my recipes. And she wrote on my blog, this is the best pizza I've ever eaten. And you know when I talked about it earlier, <laughs> it wow. is really amazing. That's a great review. And yeah, I when I read that, you can imagine how happy I was. I was like, yes, someone made it and they love it. It's wonderful. And knowing you're, it's not just you that thinks that's yeah. so good. Really exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that recipe's in there, uh, along with kind of lots of ideas about how best to bake it, the options for baking pizza, um, how you can transfer the pizza. There's videos, like you said, on how to um, actually shape the pizza. That one's in there. And There's a cute picture uh, of baby Gabriel. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's a picture of Gabriel from, <laughs> from quite a while ago when he so had cute. short hair <laughs> kneading <Aww>. the dough. <laughs> there's also um, a loaf that we make quite a lot because we render our own lard. We have lard cracklings left over. And I came up with a, a kind of a, a spin on a traditional um, Italian loaf that would have been made with the cracklings. And so that sourdough spelt lard cracklings loaf is in there there's also um, a ball 
um, which was inspired by the um, Scottish oat ferment suins that I make, which comes up with a, a wild fermented porridge. And I put that porridge into the bread and made a ball with it. And it, it changes the consistency of the dough and it changes the crust and it changes the flavour. And it's just, that's a wonderful loaf. That one's in there too. Um, and then we've got the cakes. So there are two cakes in the book, which... Um, both of them really were developed to give to Gabriel, who can't eat eggs, my son who can't eat eggs. So both of those are risen literally just with sourdough. There's a carrot cake, which is beautiful with almonds and cinnamon on the top. And then there's a chocolate cake, yes. chocolate and banana cake. The <laughs> banana softens the crumb. And that one you can make single kind of single sandwich and just enjoy it like that or I've made it a couple of times and there's a picture of the book of it made a picture in the book of it made as a double kind of sandwich loaf and sandwiched together with whipped cream that's rather yeah. luxurious that really nice <laughs> on that on the one on the pretty plate that one or the one yes that's right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah oh man exactly so that's <laughs> yummy and um then the other recipe that's in there which is one that um you made me put in there <laughs> is, <laughs> is a pastry for a pie so a pie pastry recipe using um, lard or butter and sourdough and spelt and it's written um, for a savory pie and is actually when I was testing it I had a recipe that I quite liked for the filling that Gabriel liked and so I put that in the book too and that uses sourdough discard to thicken the yeah. filling um, so there's lots of um, information on pastry in there. And you could adapt that recipe to make it sweet too if you wanted to put a little bit of sweetener in it and, like I said, use it for apple pie or something like that. So those are my beautiful baby recipes oh, that are all in one place in this wonderful book. And then, as you've kind of talked about and I've talked about there, there's loads of other stuff in the book. And there's all those photographs that you wonderfully organized um to explain things so there's there's information about spelt in general there's as i talked about earlier the economics of buying spelt compared with other grains so you can actually see the cost of the grain and how different that is to other ancient grains there is all manner of advice on baking equipment tins oven information everything that you need and don't need in order to bake sourdough there's information on proofing on proofing setup there's information on scoring on storage for your breads there's ingredient information so there's information about your flours your water the starter there's guides for how you know so you know how to move from one stage to the next in the process um, I wrote a document for the book that is eight tips for better sourdough baking. So there's some general sourdough baking advice in there. And then there's tons of resources, links for other articles that I've written, courses, videos. Really, there's there's a, a heavy wealth, as well as those 11 recipes of extra support, guidance, inspiration, tips, all that kind of other stuff around it. Hey, you washing the dishes. <laughs> Been there. You've heard Allison and I talk over and over about her love of rye sourdough bread. Well, I might actually call it an obsession, but that's neither here nor there. Now you can make Allison's rye sourdough in your own kitchen with her as your teacher. 
and she's a really good teacher. Rye is economical, it's delicious, and full of nutrients and low in gluten. There's a reason why it has been a darling of bread bakers for centuries. Make it into sourdough, as Allison will show you in her course, Rye Sourdough Bread, Mastering the Basics. And you've got an amazing, tasty, and nutritious staple in your kitchen. It's traditional, and it's nutritional. In this course, you'll learn everything there is to know about how she creates and maintains her rye sourdough starter, all about whole grain sourdough rye, including the key differences between baking with rye and wheat, how to make two loaves, an everyday rye sandwich bread, and a delicious Russian-style dark rye loaf, and what to do with your sourdough discard, including video walkthroughs for sourdough pancakes and a tasty, sweet, spiced cake. Head to www.ancestralkitchen.com slash rye. You also put in a page that I, um, I, I had to call you to ask you mm. what the details were on it so that I could fill it out properly at the page. But um, tell me about the mentorship that you offer. So people who just um, maybe want to handhold a little more mm. or they're kind of working on a more complex problem maybe, or they just love the idea of walking through it with you personally. Yeah. How yeah. does that so- work? So I get asked quite a lot, will you help me with my spout, with my sourdough? You know, I'm doing this and I've got a problem and I, and I don't know what's going wrong. I don't know if I've overproofed it. I don't know if I've underproofed it. I don't know if I didn't mix it well enough. I don't know if it's my starters that's, that's wrong. And really I created the mentorship so that I could connect with people actually in their kitchens and get them when they've got those issues and try and guide them through it because I've had all of those issues I've had all of those doubts and and I've had moments where I I just I'm so overwhelmed with not knowing what to do next or not knowing what's gone wrong and would have really benefited from some advice so the way the mentorship works is um, we connect over Zoom. So we've got the option of having the camera and you talk one on one with me. And I set up two options to, to kind of make it easy um, for, for people. The first one is called Get Going, which is four sessions. And that's a, a complete hand holding through sourdough baking in that's in your kitchen. And we have four meetings every week for a month to literally get you going. So we take you from oh, I don't know what to do with my starter, I can't get my starter going, or I don't know what bread to start with, or help me with this, all this kind of the struggle, the overwhelm. The the idea is that I take that away from you and I move you to a place where you're turning out loaves that you're proud of. And so I answer questions, I got I can guide you through creating and maintaining your starter, we'll plan your loaves together, I'll keep you accountable so you actually do it, you know, between yeah. our calls. <laughs> and then I'll troubleshoot your problems you you can come back the following week and say look I made this loaf and it's nice because it's done this but look it's got this holes in it at the bottom or it hasn't risen well or I think I cooked it too much and I can actually see your loaf and say ah okay okay what happened here let's try this let's try this and then you go away and try it again so that's the four sessions together um there's also the option of doing troubleshooting one-off sessions so that's when you know we we've got a kind of a roadblock we've hit a wall in our baking 
and we don't really know why, just like I was saying. Is it our starter? Is it we've overproofed it? Is it we've underproofed it? If you want some hand-holding through that, it's a one-off call designed to get you over an issue or help you finesse something that you're not happy with. So like you said, there's a there's a page in the book that puts out those two options. And if people want to go and look at it now um, or um, when they're listening to this, they can go to ancestralkitchen.com forward slash shop and you'll see the book in there and all my other courses. But you'll see two options there. One's for the get going with ancient grain sourdough and the other one is for the troubleshoot ancient grain sourdough. So the so information on the mentorship stuff is right on that page you're saying that's right yeah you can you can you can see all of the things that will happen and and how it works it's all there yeah yeah that's nice because I'm thinking about how you said I mean I know you and I've talked at length about this sometimes on the podcast and sometimes just when we're chatting about how much time you spent in those forums and Going back and forth with people really helping you drill down into details and and now you're referring to you know this guy who helped mentor you and now you're writing a cookbook you know what I mean like Mm. this yeah you can take mentorship and go you know really far with it yeah (laughs) which is amazing so that's cool somebody could take this and say hey I've never you had never baked Sardo you hadn't even eaten grains in 10 years yeah yeah completely and you got to the point you're at now. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm, I know I said I ate, but I am starting to get hungry again. So what <laughs> recipe should I start with in the book? What would you say? Like, um, I have hmm. a bag of grains upstairs. I have a mill. Yeah. Mm. Um, Colleen also has a bag of grains. We're going mm-hmm. to make something. What should we start with? <laughs> okay. So I would say if you're, if the person listening is asking that question, I know that you're not a beginner. But if you're a beginner, I would say start with that everyday spout recipe, the one that I talked about at the beginning of the recipe I, section. I think I would want to start with there anyways. Like, well, you I could just start with that. My way from the beginning, yeah. you know, because then you'll you'll understand how spout feels. You'll you'll feel it working. Yeah, you'll feel it. I want you'll to see how it. much water it needs. You'll see what mm-hmm. happens to it as it's proofing. You'll see, you know, when you put it in the tin how much it's going to rise in that tin. You'll see all of that so clearly through a simple recipe. And so you'll be building foundations that will help you, you know, move on much more quickly into more complicated recipes. So, yeah, okay, I think I think you and Colleen then should start with the everyday spelt. <laughs> I would say okay. if if people have baked with spelt before, then just explore the book. I mean pizza obviously is wonderful so you could start with a pizza or if you if you've got something coming up that you need a cake for then have a have a few goes with one of the cake recipes and play That's around nice. with that it's just yeah well exactly it's um <laughs> go go with your go with your joy once you've got that basic um knowledge and experience and intimacy with the flour that you're using then really any of the recipes or any spin-offs on any of the recipes that you want to conjure up yourself it's just it's endless absolutely I actually endless. think I kind of want to do pizza well pizza. obviously obviously I mean you really <laughs> sold us hard on the pizza yeah so. <laughs> can't can't help it love it here's a question I should have asked before but I didn't think about yeah. it until now but um thinking of Colleen made me think of it she'll be using mm. a gluten-free sourdough starter mm-hmm. is that gonna be fine 
Yeah, that will be fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the result might be different to how it would if you'll be using a spelt starter or a starter with gluten in it. But the main thing is if it's strong and it's got that bacteria in, it's going to do the work. It might yeah. act differently to one of the gluten grains, but, but it will work. Yeah. I mean, you've seen, I don't know if you saw her loaf in the patron group. Oh, I did, yeah. Free sourdough. So yeah, I know I she's did. got a bump in <laughs> sourdough starter. And yeah. I'm assuming this book is $150. <laughs> of everything that's in it. About how much is it really? So the book is the same price as our first e-cookbook, $12. So Meals at the Ancestral Hearth was $12. I think just keeping it simple, this one is $12 too. Um, oh. I don't know if it's got more pages than the Meals at Ancestral Hearth. It's, it's got a lot of pages. Long. It's got a it, lot of pages. It's pretty I long. I'm like, actually, let me jump over right now to the document. It is a lot of pages. 70 so you, pages on the printed version. Okay. So. And then the ebook version is going to be longer, do you think? It'll probably be twice as long, at least. Yeah. So it's and, a lot of pages. It's yeah. Really and value. I think the the last 15 or 20. Oh, the photos. Yeah. The last 15 pages are beautiful photos so you don't have to print those pages that's why we formatted it that way yeah but I feel like the the engagement we've had with Meals at the Ancestral Half has been really really wonderful from listeners from patrons from people who've bought it who sent us pictures of you know they printed it out and put it on their kitchen shelf the meals that people have been making from it and I I hope that this book will just be the same so thank you to everyone who's supporting us through buying our first cookbook and if you're interested in spelt then feel free to come and support us again and get um you know a load of my spelt baking experience and make yourself some delicious spelt loaves um i mean if you if you've never even considered working with spelt before this book is i mean speaking as somebody who went and bought a 25 pound bag of grains this book will sell you on the idea (laughs) and um yeah you can find it as we said earlier on our new site which is ancestralkitchenpodcast.com is this episode the like unveiling of Mm -hmm. that website ah man so many things happening on this episode exactly so yeah our beautiful new website which has been i don't know how long has it been in the workings six months probably we've been busy shall i say cracking the whip at rob no, I'm just kidding. yeah okay we've been busy. oh man working on stuff so on the side. yeah there is an option in there for shop go there and you can find both the books you can see the spelt book and i uploaded a lot of really beautiful photos um to that page and there's some text that will describe the book to you further and um, we'll put that link in the show notes so you can um just click and be there and, oh man uh, this is so oh. exciting, Alison. This book has just been needed for a long time. I know when I've talked to people who love working with ancient grains and they say I love spelt, but they just, mm. there's there's not a lot of, it, yeah. it's hard to find 100% resources. I remember that with your rye, yeah, you making the 100% rye loaves and Sabrina said, everywhere I look, there's rye loaves, but they're half wheat, half rye. Yeah. And it just, it's because- it takes dedication to the process to find, to get to know those little idiosyncrasies in the grain and to be familiar with it. And you really took the time to do that. Hence, you were able to produce these 100% spelt, 100% rye 
recipes for us, which I'm so excited that we have this felt book now. Super, super excited. Thank you. It's it's been such a reward in in so many ways in the health of my family and in the organisation of my kitchen and really in the flavour. It's just it's been a joy throughout yeah. it all. Really has. Would love 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 to see like you said people were sending us pictures and patrons post pictures of things they made. But if Please people do. share pictures of things, it'd be cool if there is a place on your website where we could share them. You know, uh, pictures yeah. of things people made out of the book. That'd be like a yeah. fun page to yeah. look at. That's a nice idea. Put it on the list on for Rob. <laughs> yeah, I should get Rob onto that, shall I? <laughs> yeah. After, after he's finished the website and yeah. done the washing up, I'll get him That's, on that one. <laughs> we'll give him a minute to recover and then be like, okay, I'll have another project for you. <laughs> it's okay. He's, he's such a good sport. Thank you for all your great questions, Andrea. It's been a lovely episode. Thank you for answering them. This was lovely. And I feel I feel so confident now. And I'm very excited to make my spelt pizza. Oh, get going. Get going. Enjoy. Bye for now. Thank you, Allison. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram. Andrea's at farm and hearth and Alison's at ancestral underscore kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun, exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen.